Welcome to the Staying Golden podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldeman Tract, traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. COVID-19 is affecting our Laurier community. As students adapt to online learning and the challenges that come with the pandemic, alumni have been working together to support them. Laurier students are showing incredible resilience, but the challenges are not over. Send a message to your fellow Golden Hawks that you're here to help. Donate to the Student Emergency Fund at laurieralumni.ca students and spread the Laurier love today. Welcome back to the Staying Golden podcast. Today I'm here with Courtney Langstaff, who graduated from Laurier's Brantford campus in 2013. So first, I'd love to ask you, how are you today, Courtney? Hi, doing good. Happy to be here. Hope you're doing good. Yeah, it's been a busy past few weeks. I'm getting towards the end of the semester. Uh, you know, lots of midterms, assignments, things like that. So it's a busy time, but I'm looking forward to graduating soon. So that's great. Oh, yeah. So, you know, obviously you graduated from Brantford a few years ago, you know, eight years ago now. <laughs> Crazy. So you attended Laurier for broadcast journalism. Yep. And you also had um, some experience at Conestoga College for videography. So now you work for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment as a producer. So kind of just tell me about this role that you're in right now and what you do there. Sure. Yeah, it's a really exciting role. Um, COVID has definitely affected the role in a little bit. But um, yeah, so right now I kind of share duties between associate producing. So that's like producing the content as well as editing the content. So because of COVID, now we're all working remotely. I pull a heavy amount of uh, editing shifts. So uh, yeah, it's really fun. So before COVID, I did a lot of the game day content. So when I was producing game days, basically what you do is like, you know, you plan for the game ahead. So whoever the Leafs are playing tomorrow. So for example, last night, um, they played the Ottawa Senators. So typically what would happen on a game day is show up the day before, um, start scripting all that, um, what your show is going to look like. And then, you know, who, what players you might want to talk to that day. Um, and then like what questions your talent are going to ask and that kind of thing, basically what the conversation is of the day. So, you know, on game days are super intense, super fun and exciting. So you spend your day filming um, with your talent and then you're literally in the dressing rooms with the players and coaches. So it's super exciting. Um, and basically what you're doing, we're basically like as a producer, you're behind the scenes. So you're kind of uh, multitasking between talking to your editors, your talent, and just keeping track of what the storyline is for that game day. Um, so once you're doing all those elements of production, then after everything is filmed, you uh, kind of oversee post-production. So the edit of the show that usually airs that day for game day. Um, so yes, yeah, so I basically, before COVID, I was uh, producing a lot of the game day and practice content. So that's all of our linear shows, which are shows that go on our Leech Nation network um, program and a lot of the digital stuff as well. So we do like a digital episodes, like a web hits, you know, social content, like basically there's just like game previews for the, the game ahead. And then, yeah, since now working from home since over a year now, which is crazy, uh, I've been doing a lot of the editing of the content. So editing the shows that go to air, I literally did one today for that will air tomorrow for the Leafs game. 
And then, yeah, so it's been really fun. It's a very exciting and fast paced job. You know, one of the things I really love about working for MLSC is that no day is ever the same. You may have the same kind of structure, but the content you're working on is always changing. Um, You definitely have some quiet days and then some crazy fast paced days. Like, for example, last year, uh, the Leafs were on a West Coast trip. So I was working West Coast, so I was working a bit later. And I have all my stuff ready to go to air. And then all of a sudden, the Leafs do a coaching change. That was one of the craziest days I've ever experienced because basically everything you're working on gets stopped, right? And you're like, you kind of have like a feeling when things like this are going to happen, but you never actually know when it does happen. Um, So very fast paced environment, but you know, it's super fun and the people are so great and they're so creative and, you know, it kind of makes you a better worker working in an environment like that. Um, But yeah, you know, it's, it's been a wild ride and it's definitely very exciting. So when you say that you're editing like content and stuff like that, so obviously, you know, um, that entails like videos and, um, you know, the different clips that you would include in the program, but do you also handle, do you also handle some of the audio and stuff like that as well? Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, when editing, we do the full picture. So even sometimes we do a lot of our own motion graphics as well. We have a graphics team, but it's, they're so busy this time of year and especially working, everyone working remotely, like the deadlines have to be kind of maneuvered and expectations kind of have to be adjusted as well because everyone's working from home. So, uh, yeah, I do a lot of the audio work basically right now, because we're all doing basically zoom calls. It's very tricky for like audio editing because a lot of the times like the channels, yeah, the audio is really bad over oh, Zoom, yeah. right? So you can't you can't have like someone else help you and be like an, a second oh, ear sure. for content. Oh, if you're, yeah. like, screen check. 100%. Stuff. Yeah. And usually like what happens when like, for example, working on a show like I did today, you have a producer who's like filming the, the record and then you have me who I was editing it today. So you have two different ears listening to it, but it also has like to do with like the quality of your internet and a lot of the hosts that we deal with, especially like in the summertime when the Leafs were um, uh, going to return to play in the playoffs in the summertime, a lot of the talent was out in Muskoka. So it's not the best audio or quality because of the wireless. And no, it's kind of, it's not as good out in cottage country like that, but yeah, it was, uh, it's definitely tricky. So you kind of have to adjust your expectations for delivery and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of curious. So what kind of, um, what kind of editing software do you usually use? I use Adobe Premiere. Okay. Have you, do you have experience with other programs as well? Well, back at in Laurier, in my second year, we started getting like uh, our toes wet, I guess you could say, in editing. So there we used Sony Vegas, which was <laughs> definitely a lot different than Adobe Premiere. And then back at Conestoga, we used Final Cut. So I actually really learned how to edit on Final Cut. And then... When I started using Premiere, I found it was so much user, sorry, excuse me, so much more user-friendly and uh, I much more preferred it, especially like when you're using different programs, like for graphics and stuff. So like either use Photoshop or I use a lot of time After Effects. So it's a lot more user-friendly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot, I would say that's probably my favorite version is Adobe compared to Final Cut. And I find it's usually the like the industry standard. So it's good to know for sure. So there's a current, your like the current job that you're doing, do you have to do a lot of like animation and stuff as well? Like, do you create like, you know, like the graphics or the transitions and mm-hmm. stuff as well? Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, definitely. Uh, when we first started working remotely, we kind of had to change everything about our shows because before 
And we were shooting like our stand-up. So when we're shooting our talent um, down at Scotiabank Arena, we had a beautiful background, you know, very colorful, lots going on. You know, the talent will be speaking and then you'll see players and coaches walking behind them. So it was a very busy and active setting. So when you come back here, like remotely, you're trying to see how, how, how can you possibly make a show look appealing on a television? You know what I mean? Because right now, like no one wants to watch Talking Heads. But if you know us on like Hockey Night in Canada and Sports Center, for the most part, they're all working remotely out of their offices. So how do you make that look appealing um, so that way it stands out and it's not so boring to the viewer? So yeah, so to answer your question, I actually had to literally go back to the drawing board and take these Zoom heads and like, hey, how am I going to do this? So I actually created back in the summer a beautiful background, you know, I included like our Leafs logos, you know, our generic backgrounds that we use, and then some cool transitions to kind of make these talking heads look good. And so now we've been using that since. So yeah, I find that the layout on a lot of shows, like when you're watching, you know, different um, like podcasts that are doing going remotely now, um, I think the layout is really important. Do you guys just use Zoom? Like do the people that are when they're hosting shows, are they just using Zoom? Yeah. So we uh, we use Zoom for like our shows, but people also use Skype as well. Okay. So yeah, you can use both of them and they're so easy to edit. Like when you just send the Zoom, like the Zoom, uh, the Zoom file, like how I do it is I usually work with uh, daily three to four hosts. So I kind of just like manipulate the timeline and make it. Yeah. Basically just like Photoshop. So you're kind of like layering the video channels, but yeah it's definitely a huge learning curve off the top when last season it would definitely make your job a lot harder as a producer in terms of, especially with the, the audio. audio yeah the, like some people just have really bad mics like I don't get it like I'll be watching a show um and they'll be doing like a virtual interview and these are people that are you know media yeah. professionals and they kind of have like really bad mics like they're just using oh, their yeah. headphone mic so they're using their so it's just surprising that like you know that their like employer hasn't really like provided them with like a microphone or something like that. It's kind of, yeah, honestly, it sucks. Like um, some of our hosts do have actual microphones, but some of them don't. So it's hard to get like that consistent sound. kind of, yeah, a hundred percent. And not to mention if like, like I said, if I'm on a, a zoom call, like I only get one video and audio track when it's sent to me. So if one of their mics are acting up, it's going to affect all of them because they all have speakers, right? So like this one, she has a like an amazing like uh, uh, microphone, and lately it's been acting out a little bit. So when she's speaking, you can hear that blip blip blip, but then also you can hear it on their uh, uh, when the other hosts are talking to you because you could hear the um, because everything is kind of delayed on Zoom, so you can kind of hear it. So yeah, it's covering it as much as you can with music tracks or just adjusting it when you can. But for the most part, yeah, you have to kind of, audio is one of the, one of the things we kind of have to make workarounds for. Yeah, I definitely noticed that for this podcast, um, you know, I edit it and stuff myself. Um, it, it gets a little bit more difficult, especially when I have to use, you know, a single Zoom file track. I have to go in and like yes. split up each each take. So I, I usually try and like mm-hmm. having a conversation is a little is a lot more difficult because I don't want to you know, interrupt, or I don't want to say something and then have to like worry about my audio cutting into their audio. And oh, then I can't yes. cut that out. But like right now I've been like, I've been able to get access to thankfully the, um, the Laurier alumni zoom account. So now I can record yeah. two separate audio tracks. Yes. So I it know. Makes, it'll make say, the, it'll like, cut down the editing by like half, like it'll, it makes it Good. so much easier. Um, now do you edit in audition or when I edit an audio file, I use FL studio. It's a music, okay. it's a music productions um, program, Yeah. Um, but it's the yeah. one I'm most uh, familiar with. I'm not really comfortable with audition. 
Um, I don't really like the layout and I'm just, I, I do music production and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm more comfortable with using all the different plugins and stuff. The different yeah, that makes sense. Um, things like that. So that's really, so do you, in your job, like, do you, obviously you're mostly like video and you said that you do audio, but like, would you say that you have a really like good grasp of, you know, both sides of it in terms of like the audio and the picture quality and stuff? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we are really taught to match the video to the audio, if that makes sense. So a lot of what we do is we do a lot of um, like covering with B-roll is that's the term that we use. So basically whenever someone's talking or if there's a voiceover or whatever they're saying, you really want to match the video to the audio, right? So prior to COVID, when we were working back at Scotiabank Arena, we had multiple audio sources, right? So especially on a game day at Scotiabank. So we're at Scotiabank, we have multiple channels. So we'll have like a line from like the coaches, um, the coaches area where he does, um, sorry, his panel. So you'll have that mic that's hardwired in. And you also have like labs, like lav mics that are, can always like act up, especially when you're in a room with multiple mic sources, it can get, uh, wires can get crossed. And so it's very tricky. So working at MLSC when you work, um, in, so there's basically, there's two, realms where our editors and producers work so it's our linear network so that's like um lease nation network and then nba tv canada and then you have the digital landscape which is a huge part of what we do at mlsc right so working for linear so for television you have these specific um uh, specific, I can't even think of the word. You have, to, you have specific guidelines of what your audio can look like right so basically we are learned um that when you're editing something for TV to have these crazy limiters on there to protect from audio peaks, right? So like, for example, right now, like Zoom recordings are all over the place. So horrible, yeah. They're horrible, but like, so when we do our player scrums, they're Zoom. The part where like the microphone for like journalists and reporters calling in is a different channel than what the players speak on, right? So, but when you get the recording, it's like mushed together. So sometimes like the mic for the reporters are like super hot. So they're like peaking, but then the players are like super low. And for the most part, most players actually talk extremely low. One in particular is Freddie Anderson, the goalie for the Leafs. He is so soft-spoken so quiet so you have to boost them like crazy right so you can get so you're able to hear it so it's definitely very tricky and especially when you boost such low levels like that you start hearing like fuzziness right like you know you start hearing it so you have to put multiple effects on it in order to hear without like the buzzing if that makes sense so that answers your question (laughs) yeah I was just kind of curious because like I I obviously not on the nearly the same scale, but just in like my experience, just editing these podcasts so far, it's just, it gets a lot more difficult when you have to deal with, you know, a single audio file makes it a lot easier when you can have a separate one for each person. Then you can put like a different, you know, like equalizers and stuff like that. You want to make sure that you want to cut out certain frequencies. Maybe someone's voice a little too harsh. Yeah. And especially when you work in an arena, so we'll do our standups actually in the bowl. So like, yeah, you'll have your two hosts with like a mic, a hand mic, but like, if like the Zamboni's going right behind them, 
you really got to reduce the background audio, right? Because you'll hear that, like you'll hear that. So yeah, there's a lot of elements in place. Like, especially like I've done standups where you'll hear like the goal horn go off on like when no one's on the ice. So you're, cause you know, like the game ops team are starting to like get, um, get like everything going for that night game. So yeah. So do you do live? Do you also do like the live production and stuff like that too? So like when there's like a live game or whatever, are you maybe not during COVID, but like, are you in the studio and stuff like that, like setting different levels or anything? Or are you mostly like post-production? So, um, well, all of our shows, like for the last since I've been there have been all pre-packaged. So okay. what that means is like, we'll film everything the day of, and then it'll be packaged and air that night. Um, but before I worked there, they did a lot of live shows which where they would literally be doing the exact same thing. So they'd be recording all of their standups live to air. Um, but yeah, for everything that we do now, it's all um, pre-packaged. However, our Marley's broadcasts are super awesome. And those are live. So any kind of home game, it's live. And I've actually done, I've worked in the, uh, what they call it, in the truck. So when they do the live broadcast, which is super cool. I work with one of our producers at MLSE. He does he runs the Marley's broadcast and it's so cool. There's so many elements. Like remember I was literally just like, I was a uh, ISO directing, which is basically I'm working with the ENG editor and they do the, the instant replays, right. Of the goals and stuff or hits or injuries or anything like that. So I was literally just like a fly on the wall and I was just watching him work. And I was like, this is so cool because he has a, like what I feel like he has multiple headsets on. He's talking to the director, the graphics people, all the hosts, you know, um, the, like the play-by-play and analysts and stuff that are watching the game. Also, all of the different camera operators in, in the bowl at Coca-Cola Coliseum. So those are live and those are really fun. So it's a completely different atmosphere than the shows that we pre-package. Personally, I'm kind of interested in that kind of stuff. I go to Laurier for communications right now. Um, so when I entered my program, I kind of had like the idea of potentially pursuing journalism or pursuing something to do with media yeah. at this point, I'm not 100% sure if that's the path I want to take, but, um, it is a potential, it's a potential, um, career path for me. For sure. So that has been kind of something that I've really kind of thought about, like, you know, like the idea of not only just like being potentially a host, but also working in, you know, production or in working in the back, right. Yeah. On the back end of things. So kind of just moving into just discussing your educational background. So obviously you had education in at Laurier in journalism, mm-hmm. um, but broadcast journalism. When you were in um, this program, you did get some experience working with, you know, editing programs and stuff like that. Exactly. So one of the biggest things about Laurier Brantford that attracted me to that school for journalism is how unique the program was, and I believe still is. So when you're a journalism student in your, I believe your second year or your third year, you have to declare what concentration of journalism you want to pursue, right? So back when I was there, it was print, there was uh, broadcasting, and I believe it was PR. And I think now they have the cool digital media one, I believe it's called somewhere around there. But yeah, so when I was in, I've, in my second year, I'm like, you know what, like, I want to do broadcasting, like, that was my whole idea, like my whole vision when I came to Laurier was I wanted to be an on camera journalist. So in second year, we did a class where we get a little bit of experience working on video projects. It was, it was very limited at the time because they were preparing us just for the next year because they knew we were going to be thrown in to this videography program. So um, when I went to Conestoga, it was a completely different experience than Laurier. So just 
the little backstory. So my third year of Laurier was actually at Conestoga. So it was amazing because you graduate with a four-year degree program from Laurier and also a one-year post-grad certificate from Conestoga. So essentially it's like five years of schooling in four. That's what I was, that's, that's when I was looking at your LinkedIn, trying to like, you know, get some, you know, I was trying to get information on you and your education background and your career path and stuff. I saw that the Conestoga Dates? college experience, it was right in between. I was like, did you do like, yeah. did you go to Laurier? And then in like the summer, like instead of doing summer classes, you <laughs> yeah that makes sense okay. I know yeah the that's, dates actually, are... that's a really good that's a yeah. really good thing I think that's great I think there's a lot there's a few other schools that do that mm -hmm. um where you get it like I know that one of the programs that I was looking into for university it was at um at the University of Toronto Mississauga it was a communications program okay um and there they had a like you get your university degree as well as a college certificate yeah so you can get it. I, I think that's really good you get you know two different certificates you mm -hmm. get some more hands-on practical experience um, right. those are, I think that's really valuable. Honestly, it's crucial because in like our media landscape, you it's so important to be like multidimensional. So like what I mean by that is to have all these different types of skills because you literally never know where your career will, will take you. So when I was going to Conestoga, like, I, you know, work, you know, being a university student, your schedules are, you know, pretty, for the most part, like you can control, like when you go to the class, you know, if you want to have Fridays off or Mondays off, et cetera, which I always thought was so awesome. But like you spent most of your time in class or reading, but so I went to Conestoga, it was a huge learning curve for me because you are in class from Monday to Friday, nine to five pretty much or eight to four or whatever the classes, but you're there for eight hours. But that's and where you're doing like all your work, right? Like you're not like, obviously you probably still have like homework and things to do at home, but a lot of the time is like, you know, it's like labs. It's like, a, sure. like a university lab. Yeah. The whole time. But the thing is too, is that, so we did a lot of group work and like, I remember it was the Laurie. I'm like, when I first started, I'm like, ah, I don't like group work, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm an independent, independent worker, blah, blah, blah. But when you go to college, like that's all there is. And your class, I mean, one thing I will say about Lori Branford is the classes when I went there were very small and intimate, especially when you started declaring um, your program. So when I was at Conestoga, you know, you're in every single class with the same crew, right? And when I went uh, to Conestoga, we had a few people that came from Laurier that came with me that were in my class. And then the rest stayed back because there was only a handful of students that like wanted to pursue broadcast journalism, which I thought was very shocking. I'm like, I thought everyone wanted to be on camera or, you know, work behind the scenes, but a lot of the people were uh, declared like the print concentration. So I thought that was very interesting. So yeah, there was about a handful of us that were at Conestoga, but yeah, the, the workload was so different. You know, you're working on like your, everything is hands-on there, like as college is. So it was definitely a learning curve, but it was so exciting. And I will say for sure, the skills I learned in that like eight months that I was at Conestoga or the year have pretty much paved the way to my career now. Cause everything I learned at Conestoga has contributed to me working in my career now. And like, I still use those skills today. So speaking of just like, obviously in the, the modern age of digital media, um, I think that, you know, it's, it's increasingly important, like you said, to be, have like a multifaceted skill set. Um, obviously you attended college, you took, you took those those classes you did right. that program where you you gained that experience using those like programs but would you say that that's something that not only is it something that people should do but would you also encourage people to maybe take up some of these things as hobbies on their own time you know to kind of 
you know, improve the, uh, I guess the skills that they can offer to an employer. Would you encourage that? A million percent. Yes. Like it is so important to have those skills because in our market for jobs right now, um, it's super challenging for a new grad to get their feet wet in the industry, especially, especially in media and especially in sports. Like it's so important Everyone to have pursue that. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, it's so exciting. Heavy. It's, you know, that's one of the things I love at working at MLC. It's so exciting. It's so fast paced, which I really thrive on fast paced environments. Um, but, and not to mention, I'm a huge sports buff, right? So that, that always helps. I was just going to ask you that was, was, was like, was that something that influenced you to pursue a career with like MLSE or was this kind of something that you kind of just like, you know, stumbled upon like, Oh, MLSE is hiring yeah. or was like this kind of like, kind of the end goal. Like if you're not working, you know, you get some experience elsewhere, mm-hmm. but the end goal was kind of to work in sports media. You know what's so funny is like, I really think so. I just, one of the biggest ironies I think ever was that I grew up as a Montreal Canadiens fan. I was born in Montreal, you know, I was a Habs fan my whole life. And then I get this job at MLSC and I just think it was so like, it was so funny. And I remember I had to like brace my dad and like, listen, like I'm going to have to, you know, not vote with the, the, the Habs anymore. And eventually when like, every day of your job, you're focusing on a team, you start to love the team. Like I knew so many details about players that I never knew about any other Habs player. Like, you know, you know, like your top Habs players, but like I knew stats and details of like our fourth line on the Leafs. And you start knowing all this information and you start following it religiously. Like before I probably would only watch hockey, like maybe a couple of times a week if the Habs were playing, especially if the Habs were playing the Leafs. Like you always know that's a huge hype game. Um, or the Habs play the Bruins or anything like that. But like, after I, I got hired, I started watching every single Leafs game. And like, especially now, like when I'm last season, you know, producing and editing them and now editing them, it's like, I watched every single Leafs game. Like, uh, so yeah, I, I never thought I would be like in sports, although I did want to, I wanted to be an on-camera sports reporter or even entertainment reporter. When I was in college, I did a lot of like entertainment kind of videos on my YouTube. So I never thought I would like land into sports like I am now, but I'm like addicted to it. I love it, especially hockey. And like, luckily at MLSC when there's, uh, there's so many different brands that you can work with or, you know, work on projects with. So especially like when the Leafs season's done and the Marley seasons is done, um, you can focus on the Raptors or you can focus on TFC or Argos, which is super cool too. So it makes you appreciate all the different sports that, that you can work on and how different each sport and their content is. So it's pretty fun. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I can see like, you know, before you worked for MLC, you had like a, a wide variety yeah. of experience doing some other things. Yeah. Like, you know, you worked for, um, uh, you did dance video yes, that was fun. and you worked for a public, a vid- Rubicon publishing. Yep. And um, you did oh you did sound mixing for digital games. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You did a lot of, different, a lot of different stuff before working at a lot of experience yeah chorus entertainment was also another fun one I did and yeah it's very widespread wide variety of places that's for sure so can you just give me like a brief rundown kind of of some of like the the play the previous places that you worked before um and the kind of experience that you gained there and how that kind of helped you helped guide you in your career path towards what you're doing right now Sure. Um so one thing I should mention at Conestoka you do a internship um placement 
Yeah, exactly. So my internship was actually at ET Canada. So, you know, I I did a lot of their entertainment segments on our 519 online news channel. Uh, So I did the entertainment part. So that was really fun to go there, you know, being in Canada, especially work like living in the GTA, you watch ET Canada, like, you know, you know what it is. It's like, especially entertainment tonight in the state. So you know what it is. So that was really fun. And Unfortunately, when I went there, it was a pretty quiet couple months in terms of entertainment. So I still got to know like what goes into producing a show and kind of like what we do now at MLSE, it was prepackaged. So you show up at nine, you know, depending on which department you were interning that week. So usually like every two weeks, you get kind of get shifted around in term in um in the company because it's pretty small, actually. Well, before when I was there, it was pretty small. And then actually when I was at Chorus Entertainment, that's when Chorus acquired Shaw Media. So then Chorus was actually the the owners of uh, ET Canada. So when I was there, you kind of shift around in like the different areas, like I said. So back then I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to focus my skills on. Obviously, like every person I feel like that goes to ET Canada is like, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's like, well, I want to be a host. I want to be on camera, right? So when I told people that, they're like, oh, shocker. Like, of course you want to be that. So hindsight, if I would go back, I'd focus a lot more on the different uh, aspects of a production because, what, like, well, you kind of knew then, but I definitely know now it's a very competitive market to be a host or reporter or anything on camera. So although it was super helpful to work in the studio with them, I think I would like to focus a little bit more on the producing side and the production side. So after then, then I kind of did a couple of internships and work placements with like CBC Toronto, which was so cool. I would literally job shadow um, the camera operators first, and then I uh, followed around the videographers. So when you're at school, um, you learn how to be a videographer. So what that is, you're basically like a one man, one woman show. So you're in charge of everything. So you're in charge of scripting yourself, um, producing the video. So in terms of before you even shoot the video, you got to plan. Okay. Where am I going to shoot? Who am I going to interview? Like, you can't just like, I mean, you can go out to a streeter or that's a pedestrian or someone on the street and just like ask them a random question. But for the most part, a lot of your storylines had to do with a business or a like a restaurant or even like police. Like sometimes like I remember I interviewed some of those people as well. So it's like there's a lot of planning um, in order to get a successful video. So that's the planning part. And then, you know, I remember I covered a train derailment derailment, um, in Burlington. So I was like in my backyard. So I went and I covered it. It was super scary because here I am, you know, I have my little camera from school and my tripod and like, I'm literally looking at a train crash and you see like, you see the crime uh, tape or whatever, the crime scene tape, you see police officers, you see all these journalists that are there too, right? So it's super intimidating. But basically you got to fake it till you make it. So, you know, I belong here. I'm one of you. So here I go. So I filmed that. And obviously it's super intimidating too, because you're by yourself, right? Like usually these people all have crews. So it's like a reporter and a camera person and producer. Whereas me, it's like, I did everything. So I had to make sure I had my viewfinder looking at myself, make sure I'm set up properly and I make sure my lighting looks good and has something interesting in the background. So it was definitely intimidating doing that. Um, but it was super fun. So doing a lot of those little internships here and there, you know, learning different skills, basically self-taught a lot of them because you, you are taught how to use 
final cut. I think it was final cut at Conestoga. So you, you learn like the basics for sure. But from af- once I graduated, everything I did, I did on my, like did on my own. So like before I even got any kind of media job, I was a videographer. I still am. So I'm like, you know what? Um, I think there's a market for weddings. So I'm like, I'm going to start doing wedding videography, bought my own equipment. Uh, my first wedding was one of my girlfriends from Laurier. I went to her wedding and I remember I was wearing a dress because I was also a guest. So uh, hindsight, I would never have done that because especially it was an outdoor wedding at a barn. And here you have I to am. get those really good shots oh and angles. God, and and now you're standing in the mud in a dress and you have to kneel. You're expecting to kneel down and get. Yeah. Oh, my God. And not to mention it was like 40 degrees and like humid. And I was like, why did I wear a dress? I also invited my boyfriend and I'm like, you could be a guest. That was horrible idea because he didn't know them. Right. He was just by plus ones. The poor guy had to be by himself the entire time. So yeah, but that was a super amazing experience. So like after your first one, you know, you kind of get um, traction and like your do's and your don'ts, like the different angles, that kind of stuff. So that was super fun. And then editing those uh, wedding videos gave me more experience. You know, you, you, like I said, self, teach yourself on from YouTube, YouTube tutorials, that kind of thing. And then you start making your own um, demo reel off that. So then, yeah, I got hired at Chorus and that was just an entry-level job. And I worked in in television, working a lot of the kids networks and the women's channels. And I was, I was, I worked in the traffic department. So I was literally just, you know, it's a desk job. (laughs) So you're inputting like sales orders for commercial spots and then you're scheduling them. So that was definitely a, you know, despite not being quite the job I had wanted in terms of media, it was a great foot in the door of an amazing company. Chorus is such a good company in terms of culture, Um, like a lot of like young staff. So it was very fun, very exciting. There's always something going on there and they're really good to their employees. So it was a very fun experience. I only left to pursue a job more in line with my career and career goals. And it was a little closer to home, you know, at the time I was living in, I think, Oakville. So the commute to Toronto wasn't ideal, but the job that I landed at Rubicon, Rubicon Publishing, was literally down the street from my house. And you can't beat that, you know, when you do like an hour commute each way, and then you, you're literally on the other side of the highway for the, your new job. It's very exciting. So yeah, for that company, it was, <clears throat> I was like a video producer for them. So there's only me and then my boss at the time, there's only two of us working on all their their media stuff. So they're an educational um, publisher and they were launching this uh, online digital resource called MathUp. So basically it's like a, a resource for teachers and students to go on and learn, you know, different subjects. Oh, it's all obviously all math, but like different subjects in math and different programs. And it's a really cool learning environment. So from there, what we were responsible for is filming these little tutorials and then they also did a lot. I did a lot of their audio recording. So a lot of their like eBooks and like their voiceovers. So I spent a lot of my time doing that. So that was also very exciting too. Um, and then from there, yeah, I got the call from MLSC. So I was super stoked about it because um, obviously it's a dream company to work for. And I found that when I was applying to big companies like MLSC or Rogers or Bell Media, you're just like a number, right? So it was so hard to get through and get interviews. So when I got this call for MLC, I was super stoked. I was like, oh my God, like no way. Like, I remember seeing them on like my caller ID be like, no, like this is crazy. And then, yeah, I got thrown in, started doing editing. So I started doing all their shows off the bat and then I've done features. So it's been a really interesting ride. That is for sure. 
That's really that's a that's a lot of a lot of experience, a lot of different places. Um, I like the idea that you know you mentioned yeah. how um you didn't really like a lot of your experience, a lot of the skills that you gain in terms of like editing and you know videography things like that. Like you said, that came from being like self-taught. Obviously, there's only so much. There's only mm-hmm. so much you can really learn at school. Um, like in terms of like yes. you know the limited time you were there, eight months. But I think that's that's Correct. really I guess kind of promising for people like me or anyone else like people who are going to be listening to this on students. I'm just mm-hmm. knowing that like I guess a lot of a lot of the skills that you can like that you can offer to a potential employer can be learned on your own. Um, and we have the internet. Like yeah, there's so many resources just at our disposal. Like you can just you want to like learn video editing, you want to learn audio processing, things like that. Like there's tutorials mm-hmm. on the internet, you know, there's Skillshare, there's all kinds of out there to oh, learn. Yeah. You can get structured courses. You can learn as you go, learn on your own time, learn on your own, learn at your own pace. I think that that's really kind of a good And like one way. thing too, just one thing to sorry to interrupt you um, is that I'm still yeah. learning. Like there's so many times, like, so one of my favorite things I do when I'm editing for the Leafs is I do their pregame hype videos. So like our game preview and I'm constantly looking for new ways to do cool effects, you know, cool color grading. I think that's one cool way. Sorry. To, like, I, I, I think that's one, I guess something that's very interesting. No, like, cool. you know, like you said, you're still learning, I guess, like putting the kind of energy, like how do you get energy into the content that you're creating like you said it's it's a hype of video pre-game video like how do you kind of get that energy yeah how do you get the audience to kind of feel a little bit hyped up you know it's not just like the music it's not just the clips that you're using but no. like you said like the effects yeah. the transitions I, I think that's that's a really good yeah. like, thing to think about so continue sorry about that sure yeah. like a, so yeah one of the biggest things too is like i'm big on social media so i'm on twitter like every day like multiple times a day so i really feel the pulse of what our audience is feeling so i remember the first time when we uh when we start first started working remotely you know we had um our types of videos were different at the time right and you know, you start looking at the comments and they always say when you're like an influencer or whatever you are, like, just don't read the comments. Cause you know, you're going to have trolls. You're going to have people just say random stuff. So just stay away from it. But I'm like, no, like I actually want to see how people react to my videos. Like I'm, I'm curious. A, it's like, I want to make sure I'm doing okay. Or if there's anything I can work on. And so when I see the audiences, a lot of the times it's like millennials and young, you know, I mean, obviously you have like the alumni age kind of fans, but also you, a lot of it, especially on Twitter and Instagram, mainly millennials, right? So you want to appeal to that audience. And for me, like when I watch any kind of hype video, if it's the Raptors who do an amazing job for hyping their stuff, like I want to be more like that. You know, I want to start pushing the creative agenda, especially for the Leafs brand. I'm like, I want to start doing really cool things and see what people think. So when, um, when we started working, like I said, working remotely and back to return to play in July, um, I, we got a new uh, host. So our host started doing their voiceovers and he's a super hype guy as well. So you kind of want to make sure what you're editing and putting together matches your talent, right? So he's a super hype guy. He's so cool. So it's like, you know what, I'm just saying different and sweet. So luckily um, I, my uh, senior producers at the time were super gracious and allowed me to do a little trial for this video. And it worked out so well. The audience loved it. It was so cool and fun. Um, so that was super exciting to see that feedback and see that like, you know, me having my finger on the pulse of what the audience wants, I was correct with it. And 
we still do that today. So yeah, in terms of actually packaging them together, um, first, what I do is when I get the voiceover from our talent, I kind of like listen to like what mood he's in, if that makes sense, like how his read is sounding. So if he's not super excited, super hype, you know, he has a lot of hit words that are really colorful. You know what I mean? Not just, re- not, not just reading a basic script, but he has cool little, you know, jabs in here and there. You kind of want to match the tempo. So what I'll do is I'll kind of like see like what he's talking about and I'll find the clips to match what he's talking about. So if he's talking about like Austin Matthews, I'll be like, okay, I'll find all of Austin's cool, you know, cool goals, epic sellies, you know, him on like his ISOs, him like tight shots of his face, like cool things like that to match what he's saying. And from there, then I find a cool track. Cause I'm like, you know, you need to find a cool track that matches his energy, but also the excitement of the game. You know, you can have like a nice quiet, you know, relaxing kind of track, but like, that's not what a hype track is, especially in sports, right? You want a cool, fun rock, you know, rap, gangster rap, whatever you want, just to kind of match the energy of the game. And so once you have the track and you have the clips, then you add cool effects, you know, cool transitions and color grading. So yeah, I just kind of do that to kind of uh, match the energy of the read, but yeah, it's super fun. Like that's literally my favorite part of the day on a game day is cutting those because it's literally a free range of whatever I want to do with them. So it's super fun. Okay. I, I honestly don't even know what I'm supposed to like say now. I'm just, there's a lot, a lot of stuff, but I'm glad that you kind of pointed that stuff out. I, I think it, it is very interesting. Um, is there anything that you would say for like students that are like hoping to, you know, kind of build on their career, kind of break into the job market? How can they kind of break down those barriers? You know, the experience barriers, how can they gain experience? How can they, you know, get their foot in the door and try and get working in whatever industry it might be? Yeah. So how I got started was I would just send like cold emails, you know, like, Hey, like I'm a honors journalism graduate from Laurier. And I was just interested in job shadowing you. So basically what a job shadow, it's like, it's volunteer work, but like, I remember I sent so many cold emails and I got really cool responses back. Like that's how I got into the CBC, you know, shadowing the reporters. I sent an email to Christine Bentley, who worked for CTV, I think CTV News back Yeah, she did. I recognize that name. I used to watch CTV News like every day oh, when I was a cool, kid. Yeah. Cool. So like, just like, hey, like, are you able, are you available to have me come on and shadow you for the day? You know, it's on my own time. You know, I'm not expecting to be paid. I just want the experience to see what it's like and not to mention networking, right? I know everyone says that, you know, it's so important network, blah, 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 blah. But one thing I will also say is that when I got hired at MLSC, mind you, I did have experience working, um, like producing, editing, but also camera work, right? So you already have that experience. So when I went to MLSC, I had the flexibility to job shadow. It's like, yeah, I know I'm an editor right now, but like eventually I became so fluent in the shows and content I was producing that I was almost like a producer before I was because you especially when you would get a new producer on the show who wouldn't really know the formula of what your show is to look like or or feel like I would guide them because I literally do this every day I know that co- we talked to coach Keith in the first segment we talked to the players in the second segment you know I know what what the structure and formula of a show looks like so you get that experience so you know I talked to one of my um uh, one of the people I worked with. And I was like, listen, like you're producing these shows. Would you mind if I just come hang out with you on my day off when you're producing a show and I wasn't working? She was like, oh yeah, for sure. Like so fun. Come join us, blah, blah, blah. 
So I did. I literally went out my day off. I drove from, I live in Hamilton now. So I drove from Hamilton to Etobicoke, went to Ford Performance Center at the Leafs practice. And I followed her around, you know, I saw what she was doing. I saw how she, you know, pre-planned the show for the next day. And I saw her working with the talent and then being in the dressing room for the first time. Like that was so cool. And like, one thing I will say that like, it's, you're trying not to fangirl but you're fangirling, like, you know what I mean? But you gotta do it internally. You can't, you know, you have to have like professional on the, on the outside and like hype and excited on the inside. But um, that was super fun. So the people that I work with, they're so good on like job shadowing and, you know, like learning new tricks to the trade. And one thing I will say too, um, which I found was really important. And, you know, you hear your parents and your teachers say it, but I will tell you my first, so this this is one little funny experience to take that. So um, it was, I think it was my second year with MLSE. I worked a random Sunday shift. So usually Sundays are the off day for the team. Because usually they're, you have, you always, you almost always have a game on Saturday night. So Sunday is usually their day off. But so there's this one Sunday that I work and working in an office on a Sunday, it's like dead. You know, most people work Monday to Friday, nine to five. So there's not many people in the office on a Sunday. So I'm like, you know what? We just had a snowstorm. There's probably nobody here. I'm going to wear, I think I just wore normal jeans, a t-shirt and I wore Ugg boots. Okay. I never, I always wear nice dress shoes or like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's working a shift. So funny story is that the Leafs were traveling the night before there was a snowstorm. I can't remember where they were. I feel like they're in Montreal or Ottawa or Edmonton. I can't remember where they were, but they were traveling. And so that the team travels the night of the game. So they come home that night, but our media team was stuck there because they didn't fly out to the next morning. Right. So, oh my God, I remember I go into work, like I said, very quiet, very slack, casual day. And I got a call saying, Hey, Courtney, we're stuck in wherever we were. Can you need to go and record, um, the, the interviews and the scrums down in the dressing room. Like you need to go there, hold the mic. And, uh, while the camera person's there and I was like, Oh my God, what? Like, I remember I was so nervous. Cause I was like the one day I don't dress up the one day where I'm wearing Ugg boots, I got to go downstairs, hold a microphone for the first time in front of these amazing players. Right. So long story short is they always say dress for the job you want please do that. Like, cause you never know when you're going to get thrown into something like that. And it was just such a fun experience. I had so much fun. I was so glad I did it. And I was obviously super grateful for that experience, but yeah, like you never know what can happen. And yeah, it was super, it was a super fun experience, but like, they're very good at like giving you roles to try new things. And they're very big on growth and like, you know, interchanging on in departments. So, cause that's one thing working as a producer is that you're in the production department but as an editor, you're post-production. So they're very good on interchanging those two departments and giving you time to do what you'd like. So I think that's kind of like a really good tip. Like you said, you know, just like cold emailing, just reaching out to different people, you know, just getting your foot in the door or just networking, like you said, is valuable. Like there's no harm in trying, I guess. There's no harm in reaching out to someone, reaching out. And like you said, you know, you reach out to people in the industry and you also try to gain some experience doing freelance stuff. And that's a potential opportunity to gain, you know, experience as well as, you know, make connections, make some money on the side potentially, but also you can build a portfolio. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Which is the biggest thing because when you see like job posting, they're like, oh, you must have like five to six years of experience. You must have, um, like worked at this, this, and this, these kind of skills, but it's super tricky for a grad. Cause it's like, well, like you won't hire me because I don't have much experience. So how do you expect me to get experience if you're not going to hire me, you know? So it's like, yeah, getting those experiences. If you ever get a co-op or internship when you're there, you're there to make your own experience. And that's one thing I learned at ET Canada is like, when they asked me like, Hey, well, what do you want to do? You know, like for me, I wasn't quite sure. Like I said, I wanted to be on camera, but you can only spend so much time in the studio. Whereas like, if I said to them, Hey, I want to spend my eight weeks working in the edit studio and like working, uh, you know, in the edit suites or working with the producer, they would have allowed me to, right. Especially back then it was unpaid. So it was like, you can do whatever you want, essentially. So my biggest thing for any like journalism grad or communications grad, or honestly, any grad at all, is that like, when you get those opportunities at those places, push the agenda. If you want to do that, you ask them to. And like, for the most part, like they'll allow you to, you know, it's all about your experience and your growth within a company or so while you're at a company, use the time that you have there to learn whatever you can, and especially at a company like MLSC, there's so many different things you could do. Um, use your time effectively, you know, talk to everybody, learn how that person got there, how this person got there, like what things you can do while you're there, what like programs or universe, because usually a lot of these companies have a lot of their own, like, uh, like educational programs and like that you have to do, like that kind of thing. So it's like, oh, can I do those things? Like, can I learn this skill? Like, how would you edit that? Or how do you record audio? Because we have a, a voiceover studio too at um, MLSC too, which is really fun. So it's like, how do you operate that? Like, you know, just all kinds of things. You can shadow camera operators. You can do anything there. It's unlimited. Okay. So I, I think that we've touched upon a lot of good things now. I'm going to just try and wrap it up now. But yeah, so thank you very much for providing all this, like this valuable insight, you know, everything from you know, insider information on, you know, the media industry working within um, multiple different organizations at different at different roles. And then also, you know, how you get getting your foot in the door and then gaining experience, just a really wide variety of things that you've touched upon. So I can't thank you enough. Um, so if there's anything you'd want to kind of just close off with, like the floor is yours. But again, like, thank you very much for appearing on the show and everything. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. And like, one thing I've noticed too, is that like, no one person has the same path to getting where they are. Like my path is so like widespread and different. Like I've worked like in publishing, I've worked in like the fashion industry, entertainment, like news, like there's so many different facets of working in media. So one thing I will say is like, no, like, it's so important to learn as many different skills as you can. Like, like I said, I started off my journalism career wanting to be a broadcast journalist. Mind you, I still do. I would still like never turn down the opportunity to be on camera, but you know, it's so important to learn different skills too. And that, I think that, especially with the ever-changing media landscape, it's so important to have as many different skills as possible so you can adjust and always learn different things. And it's, I think it's really effective. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Thank you.